Welcome to Hindsight is Horrifying, the show where we take a look back at the movies and TV shows of our youth and we ask, what were they thinking letting kids watch this? <laughs> I'm Jason Mitchell. I'm here with my co-host, Darth Jader. Hi, listeners. And today we are going back in time to take a look at one of the earliest animated feature films. In fact, it was uh, either the second or the third uh, feature film that was entirely computer generated, depending on how you uh, how you count it. And of course, we're talking about DreamWorks' 1998 picture Ants. Darth, why don't you tell us a little bit about the plot of this one? Sure thing. Um, the summary on Google is that Z, the worker ant, aka Woody Allen, strives to reconcile his own individuality with the communal work ethic of the ant colony. He falls in love with the ant princess Bala, Sharon Stone, and Z strives to make social inroads and then must have uh, he's forced to save the ant colony from the treacherous scheming of the evil General Mandible who is Gene Hackman. So that's one of the first things we can focus on is how simply star-studded this movie was. Yeah, the cast of this movie is... is it is it's the exact opposite of uh, something like a Pixar movie, where Pixar typically is going to be um, one or two headliners right. at most. Then maybe some good character actors for the background yeah. characters. yeah. But no, not this movie. This movie includes not just those three actors. It's also got Dan Aykroyd, Anne Bancroft, Jane Curtin, Danny Glover, Jennifer Lopez before she made it super big as an actress, uh, and John Mahoney. So there are quite a few the, big names. The late John Mahoney. You know, he just passed. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that. Poor Frazier's dad. Yeah. But. No, it was. it, it is uh, um, from a, a cast perspective – it's really interesting, and it's it's very significant because, you know, this movie was made, well, it came out in 1998, so this is, we're talking about an era before animated movies, um, computer-generated movies, were anything approaching prestigious. So to get someone like Gene Hackman. Right, and Sharon Stone. Yeah. I mean, Gene Hackman's, well, or Woody Allen, honestly. I mean, really... Even today, it's kind of surprising to think they made this movie with Woody Allen as the main character. Which is a hard sell when you're talking about, it's PG-13, so it is technically a kid's movie, because younger kids could go and see it. But it it is a very Woody Allen-tasting film in the sense that all the jokes are very highbrow and largely sarcastic. Yeah. And just... Uh, just sort of taking the sneer off of his own colony. But yeah, it is definitely a Woody Allen film for sure. And it's weird because it's a Woody Allen film that would not work. The cast wouldn't really work at all as a live action movie. Oh, I, was, I couldn't see a single one of those actors really having great chemistry together, except no. maybe Christopher Walken and Gene Hackman. Yeah. Christopher, Walken Christopher Walken's yeah, also yeah, that, in it. That would be fantastic. But I mean, Stallone as Woody Allen's friend that grew up with them. And Jennifer that, Lopez as Stallone's girlfriend. That's just... Well, or Sharon Stone and, and Woody Allen... Being together, and, yeah. Being up together, you know. It, it, well, I don't think she's quite young enough for Woody Allen to be interested, uh, to be perfectly honest, so... I was soon ye. <laughs> what happened? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Woody Allen. It's Anytime you discuss Woody Allen, it gives everybody the opportunity to... 
dust off their Woody Allen impersonation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, especially in the beginning, because we, we do have a very Woody Allen-esque type opening to the movie where uh, he's actually in the room with his psychologist making some, you know, kind of cutesy humor about bugs because he's sitting there saying, oh, you know, when you're the middle child in a family of five million, and it's just it, just sort of nodding at the fact that they are ants. And he calls his dad, uh, he said, my dad was just a drone. He flew away when I was just a larvae and just silly things like that. But then his so-called breakthrough that he gets, which actually sets the tone for the entire movie uh, in the sense that it's very anti-communist, as we were discussing before we started recording. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting because we we usually, the idea of talking about things that uh, we didn't get when we were kids a big part of that, most of the time, you know, you're talking about jokes that were dirty jokes or, you know, jokes about things that we didn't get as kids. Um, this is a movie that I know whenever I saw it, whenever I was younger, I never, it, it didn't click with me at all that the movie is really a uh, George Orwell or Anne Rand or Aldous Huxley-esque um uh, narrative about communism and about how bad it is. Um, Which is why I think when people think back to the comparison between Ants and A Bug's Life, for instance, which was also made in 1998, A Bug's Life was definitely more geared toward children. It has brighter coloring. The characters are a little more zany. It's it's a kid's movie, distinctly. Whereas Ants, I think a lot of people who grew up watching Ants and then you know, compared to A Bug's Life, they probably look at Ants as being kind of boring because there are stretches that, you know, where this movie is just absolutely brilliant with some of its highbrow humor and its social commentary. But as a kid, you're just like, boring, let's get to the fun stuff. So I think that may be a big comparison difference between A Bug's Life and Ants. Yeah, I think so. You know, A Bug's Life, um, and I'm not judging one way or the other. I, I, I love both of them. Oh, yeah, they're um, both great. Yeah. Um, yeah, A Bug's Life is more of a traditional hero's journey, every man sort of story. Right. You know, you've got the guy who's the, un, you know, you're, he's the underdog. Everybody, uh, you know, uh, uh, judges him to be in, incompetent. And ultimately, he is the one who has the responsibility to save everybody. Sure. In this one, Woody Allen's character, Z. His motivation for most of the movie is not to save everybody. That's really only something that comes up at the very, very end because he doesn't know that there's a threat. Right. Nobody does. But yeah. he he's really more about breaking free and discovering his well, individuality and along with Insectopia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's the, the movie begins at the at, at, in the first scene. They're establishing that... Um, the hive mind yeah. colony mentality is the way to be. And yeah. being an individual is considered a negative thing. Yeah. In order to avoid punishment by the society they live in, they must be insignificant and they must do every single thing. They, their own personality and personal um, needs and desires and whatever are irrelevant. All that anyone cares about is for the benefit of the greater good. Yep, for you, the good of the colony. Yeah, you work and work and work, not so that you can get the fruits of your own rewards, but so that you can contribute to this big pool 
that somebody else gets to to, to divvy out to, you know, the workers and the, and the soldiers and everybody else. And that's communism. And it's, 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 I, I really don't think it's much of a reach to say that they did it on purpose, because if you look at the symbol, um, that the, the workers have, it's a circle and it's, it's two crossed tools. One is a, is a pickaxe and the mm-hmm. other one is, uh, I think it's like a pitchfork. I'm not sure. Yeah. But it's it's obviously a reference to a hammer and sickle. Um, sure. Yeah. And well, so- especially with the the vague goals of the colony, because General Mandible Gene Hackman is telling them all it's for it's very Shaun of the Dead, or not Shaun of the Dead, but um, uh, uh, Hot Fuzz, Hot Fuzz, yeah. the Greater Good. The greater good yeah. <laughs> and they don't know what this Greater Good <clears throat> is. It's just this vague possible light at the end of the tunnel that they all desperately want to achieve but none of them really understand why right right i mean it is it's it's work don't think don't rest don't do anything like that just work do as you're told and trust in the fact that your betters up above you are making all the right decisions and it's even interesting because when you look at the way that the government in this in this world works you know, it is nominally a monarchy, but really the monarchs are just figureheads. She's only her only role is to pump out babies, right? The she military says something, the, yeah, along the lines of, well, "How would you feel if you had to give birth every ten seconds for the right. rest of your yeah. life?" Yeah, which I mean, I'm sure all you ladies out there agree, we wouldn't be able to get anything done if that was the case. So, yeah, she really is just a figurehead because she's not. The queen and uh, her princess daughter, they just trust the general to run things, and they're just right. as oblivious as everyone else. Yeah. I mean, the monarchy is irrelevant. The The source of power and is is the military. And also, the you know, in this evidently classless society, um, you still have people at the top who are, you know, getting the, the nice parks and the breaks and all that, mm-hmm. um, and everybody else suffering. And... Z goes on a very interesting journey that if because this is a movie about communism and it's really very intelligent because the the journey that he goes on is if you are someone who is brought up in a communist society, which is a society that promises you utopia but never delivers on it, you're going to think well, if I leave here, what should I do? I'm going to go actually find that utopia that was always promised to me, but never delivered on. Which is very cleverly disguised in this movie as insectopia. Yeah. Which is brought up by uh, John Mahoney's character. He's a drunk ant in a bar, and you know you think he's this raving drunk lunatic, but he's like, kid, you got to find insectopia. It's past the monolith. It's this big mystical thing. And then they drag him off, and... You know, he's portrayed as kind of a crazy person. Right. And and it's not even, it's not a metaphor when, in a, in a lot of movies, and I, I would say probably in a Pixar movie, if they said past the monolith and over to here, you know, you would realize, oh, well, it's a water fountain. You know, the monolith is actually a water fountain. And the thing that he's seeing is actually a garbage can. But he would actually <laughs> find it. Yes. In this one, the garbage can ends up being just a garbage can because Utopia or insectopia does not exist. Nope. It's a myth. So the, the, the hero's journey actually ends up being very brief at the end of the movie with Z realizing that insectopia is meaningless. 
well, and going back home to change things and liberalizes on society. Right. It actually turns out to be a good thing that Insectopia is, you know, just smoke and mirrors because it actually drives him to achieve a greater good than he would have otherwise, which is literally just abandoning his society and taking the princess with him. Right. And she also would be shirking her future queenly duties of producing more ants for the colony. Right. But uh, this all really gets kicked off by the fact that Z and his friend Weaver, a.k.a. Sylvester Stallone, are, uh, they scheme together to basically chase after girls because Z runs into Princess Bala, who, as she says a little bit later in the movie, she's slumming it, looking for a little bit of trouble in the bar, which those kind of phrases don't often appear in kids' movies, but... I, I don't think this is a kids' movie. Uh, I don't I really think it don't. is either, but it was it was rated PG thirteen, so there were kids that were definitely going to see it. Yeah. But ultimately, I think it is intended for adults. But even when the so Z and Bala meet in the bar in the colony, and what's really hilarious about that scene is that uh, Weaver and Azteca um, Jennifer Lopez's character are both more than happy doing what they do for the colony. They're happy to serve their purpose. But they're all in the bar that night together, and the dancing starts. And usually dancing is just sort of this random, you know, everybody getting down. Yeah, they do line dancing. Yeah, even the dancing in (laughs) their world is controlled, and they all have to do the same dance. Except for Z, who is literally dancing to his own beat in the middle of the crowd and running into people and pissing them off. So, Yeah, I mean, it, it really is kind of fascinating. Even the dancing is political mm-hmm. it's it's you you know you're out in public and you dance according to the way that uh you are supposed to dance yeah that's you know it's it's a and that is you know people throw the word totalitarian around but what totalitarian really means is it's a government whose influence is total meaning it doesn't it's not limited to anything so even to the point of saying how people should dance Right. You know, uh, what you do with your free time, you know, in this one, you know, there's the sign up somewhere that says free time is for practice or it's training. For training, for yeah. Training. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, he kind of looks like Hellboy there. He's like the juggernaut of ants, Sylvester yeah. Stallone in this movie. He's even typecast in his voiceover acting. Yeah. But uh, there's a great moment in the bar scene before we move on to this digging Is scene. this the part where she says something about filling in? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll, we'll get to that in a second. But we're uh, still in the bar scene. It's really hilarious because, um, oh, what did they say? Oh, the the even the drinks that they're drinking are kind of weird. And it's a little obvious that it's another insect that they're drinking out of and right yeah stallone is like do you want your uh aphid beer yeah aphid beer and z's like no i'm not a big fan of drinking out of something else's really, anus yeah no like, i yeah i don't yeah how many kids even knew what the word anus meant uh when they saw this you know well it depends on how old they were but <laughs> well yeah, yeah i would have been in 1998 i would have been about 10 or 11 so i probably knew it by then <laughs> Yeah, it's it's and like I said, it's hard to to see this as a kid's movie because it's and again, you know, I say that, but I saw it whenever I was a kid and I liked it and I didn't think I was watching something that wasn't a kid's movie. Right, because it's a cartoon, which used to translate to kids programming, but 
going back to the dancing scene real quickly, they even the commentary on the situation is very highbrow because Z is looking at all the dancers before Bala comes in and shakes up his world. He goes, oh, what a bunch of losers, mindless zombies capitulating to an oppressive system. And it's just... Even the dialogue in this movie is so highbrow. It's kind of ridiculous. Well, it is. And it, it's, you know, it's interesting because the uh, the plot of the movie, ultimately, it boils down to you have the, the military of this society uh, in which all the real power is invested. It's all about anti-communism and chasing girls. Yeah. Well, that's America. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> that's know? what honestly motivates Z and gets him into all this trouble is that he meets Princess Bala at the bar. They have a great night dancing, and then she's got to rush off and go back to her life. And so he trades places with Weaver, Stallone's character, who is a soldier, so that he can uh, be at the soldier assembly the next day and possibly get to interact with Bala again. So from there, Z gets put on an even worse conveyor belt than he was already on because what he doesn't realize is that general mandible is trying to sabotage his own army by sending them off to battle uh, a whole tree trunk full of termites that apparently shoot acid out of their heads. And, and and, uh, what's the general's name? Mandible. Mandible. General Mandible is so much Joseph Stalin. It's ridiculous. I mean, what he does is, and I mean, if you if you take a step back and you you think, could you say this and describe an actual country, an actual political situation, the military government decides that it is going to purge its society of those that are deemed unfit, which it, is pretty much all of them. Yeah. It was a very all the workers. Uh, yeah, all the workers and a lot of the soldiers because the soldiers yeah. are the first wave of people that he kills. But well, that's what I was saying though. In order to accomplish that though, you have to take the military elements that you either would have a problem with or that you don't want to bring along on the ride. That could potentially stand up to you. Step one, eliminate yeah. them so that you can't you know consolidate your own political position vis-a-vis the military by purging the military. Then once you're done with that, you go from purging to a reign of terror where you just just start uh, eliminating and exterminating the parts of your society that you consider to be weak. Which is what we get around to where Z has to rescue the colony because the general who has been driving them toward this greater good is actually scheming to drown every single worker in the ant colony. Yeah. And he has a, it's a very vague, you know, that is one thing that I kind of, I would like to know more about, which is, you know, cause he, he refers to them as being the, uh, the, the undesirable or the, the weak, the weak, weak. but it's sort of like, okay, well, and I know that you can replace them all. So does he have a problem with just how the workers are treated? Like they need to be worked even harder. He's already working them 24 hours a day, basically. And then he ups their shifts to like double shifts. And what's really funny is he motivates them with breadcrumbs essentially, because, uh, what happens is Z goes off to war and unwittingly has to battle all these termites. Uh, he finds a, a war buddy in Danny Glover, uh, who is like, don't worry, kid, I'll look out for you. And so they become pals really quickly. But 
the ants are so used to this conveyor belt communistic mentality that as they're going off to war, they're singing the ants go marching, but they've modified it a little where it's like the ants go marching one by one. Hurrah, hurrah. We'll all be dead before we're done. Hurrah, hurrah. So they and they're just okay with that. Yeah, it's a very fatalistic society. You've been taught you're irrelevant. Your life is probably going to be short. It'll probably end violently. So if we point and tell you to march into this battle, just go ahead and do it. Yeah, and they're just, they're fine with it. And And don't think about it. Don't question it. You know, the whole movie comes down to an individual questioning society and, you know. And and Z does that every chance he gets because he's fighting the system the whole time. But in in a very Woody Allen fashion, like when they're in uh, their rank and file and they're marching off to war, Z's like, wait, we're going to war. He's like, wait. Uh, does our platoon serve beverages or process paperwork? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, why don't we just try to influence their political process with campaign contributions? These pretzels are making me thirsty. thirsty. <laughs> um, well, yeah, you know, and, and that's, it's, it's funny because that's, and, and it's only this way because it's Woody Allen, but it, it is very much more um, akin to an older movie, like an Ernst Lubick movie you know okay. um there's a movie called nanochka um which God bless is, you yeah thank you <laughs> uh nanochka um uh, 1938 or 39 something like that um very anti-soviet movie um and there's a lot in this movie that reminds me of some of the themes of it uh you know there, there's a part in the movie where one of the characters says you know, well, the way Stalin's running things, there'll be a lot fewer Russians, but there'll be better Russians. Oh, God. You know, and that that's because that was a justification in Stalin's mind. You know, it's okay if I kill, you know, several million people. The ones that are left will be better. Because he views it as kind of a cleansing as, yeah, because the as people, opposed to annihilation well, and yeah, genocide. Be- because the individual doesn't have any sort of special quality. I don't need to worry about preserving the life of an individual. Right. If I kill 100,000 of them, but I end up with better individuals, then I win. I did good. Which is so crazy for people to ever have had that. I mean, even as an aunt, I can sort of justify it when there's a queen pumping out 10,000 babies at the drop of a hat. But people don't quite reproduce that quickly. Yeah, it's and this was a real political philosophy that people to this day, some people still adhere to. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, you know... Um, there's another line from that movie where somebody says, uh, somebody takes a phone call for, you know, comrade so-and-so and, oh, he's not here. He was, uh, recalled back to Russia to be investigated. Please contact his widow for more details. Oh God. <laughs> Cause you know, that's exactly, <laughs> you know? that's exactly what she is now. But, uh, while Z's being no. marched off to war, we, I, do you know this scene? Is this a reference to Independence Day, or does it just sort of look like Independence Day? Well, we're skipping ahead now because the movie's ahead of us, so uh, I'm, we're just trying to go in order at the moment. But are you talking about the magnifying glass? Yeah, the magnifying glass. Yeah, where, there's yeah. a great special effect with that, and I, I have notes about it, so we'll get to it. But while Z's off at war, basically, um, what you were talking about with Weaver and Azteca, because Stallone, naturally, his character is an absolute boss at moving dirt, which is Z's normal job. Most of the ants have to hold the pick with two hands but he's like double fisting the pickaxes and just going at it like a machine and 
Jennifer Lopez introdu- uh, introduces herself and she's like, hi, who are you? Where's Z? And he's like, oh, well, Z's taking a personal day. I'm filling in. And she looks him up and down. And she goes, well, if you fill in anymore, you'll explode. So there is some kind of saucy like adult humor. and burritos. <laughs> oh, God. Jennifer Lopez. My name is Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> well, at least she's not dating Ben Affleck. So oh, God. in this movie. It's not it's not as terrible as it could be. Yeah, it could always be worse. Ben Affleck could be here. But they do have a great moment, Weaver and Azteca, where uh, she mouths off at their supervisor to defend him. And she gets her rations taken away for having the gall to talk back. And then Weaver offers to share his rations with her. And she's like, what does that mean? Are you asking me out to dinner? And it's just... and weaver's kind of an idiot yeah and so they Uh, no uh, no no of course not but that yeah of course they're gonna fall in love with each other which doesn't really that's sort of the thing that i guess they just have to brush it over so it's like well the queen has a baby every 10 seconds it's like is there a use for any of the ants to couple up like i don't i'm not really sure well it is sort of weird because and, uh, you know, it's a movie. We should all just relax. Suspend um, your damn disbelief, Jason. It's a yeah. bunch of communist ants. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like, well, does it make any sense? Well, it doesn't really make any sense, period. You know, but you do have to ask, okay, she's having a baby every 10 seconds. And clearly this is a society where men like ladies. Right. So does that mean that there's someone behind the scenes with the queen? I really don't know because another aspect of it is that uh, Princess Bala is actually promised to General Mandible. So Mm I'm not really sure how ants reproduce exactly. Yeah, I actually am realizing that I don't know nearly as much about ant reproduction as I should. uh, It's it's pretty basic, but uh, I don't know if she needs to be impregnated that often. I don't know. I really I don't, don't know. know. I don't know either. I'm looking this up. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, like the whole the whole rest of the society seems to be kind of coupling up. Like Weaver likes that Azteca and... Well, yeah, he's constantly talking about those worker girls. Yeah, which is his driving force behind switching his entire <laughs> yeah. life and career. They're career women. And, oh, that was a great moment in the bar where... Because Weaver's trying to get Z to cut loose and go and talk to one of the girls. And Z's mm-hmm. like, they're career women. They're obsessed with digging. Yeah. And it's like, does that make them the opposite of gold diggers? Like, I don't... I, it is... I, I'm, I'm, I'm now realizing that the whole idea of what motivates the ants... Because they, they don't do... They don't do anything. Other than work and fight wars. Right. Like, you don't see any ants that, like, secretly want to be a painter. (laughs) Or or an ant that's actually, you know, a musician, but, you know, he's not allowed to be a musician. They really don't seem to know, you know, like, that's their entire universe, is literally being born. There's no one even preparing or collecting food. It's just... It's war and yeah. dirt shifting. Well, and, the, you know, the movie does sort of undercut one of its own, you know, sort of emotional premises because they keep making the joke that, you know, well, we're going to start a family, you know, we'll have two or three million, you know, children. If you're having millions of children and your your ant colony isn't, you know, uh, dying because there's not enough food, doesn't that mean that you're literally losing millions every year in order to keep things in check 
I suppose so, but looking on Google, our ever trusty friend with as far as the ant reproduction and the millions and millions of ants, uh, apparently uh, some female ants do not need to mate to reproduce uh, to produce offspring, uh, reproducing through asexual parthenod parthenogenesis yes thank you or cloning and all of those offspring all sexy parthenogenesis well it's asexual so how why why would would you say it's sexy oh yeah and uh, apparently all the ants that come from parthenogenesis are actually uh they'll be female others like those in the genus crematogaster mate in a nuptial flight so the <laughs> I got a buddy of mine who did a nuptial flight. Oh my god! Uh, he joined. He joined the three feet high club because they can't get that high off the ground. No, he, he ran away from the uh, altar. Oh god! <laughs> oh, he pulled a runaway. What a groom! Week- what a weekend! <laughs> but uh, the queen offspring developed from larvae spe- spe- uh, specifically fed in order to become sexually mature amongst most species. Depending wow, on the species, wow, wow. <laughs> depending on the species, there can be either a single mother queen or potentially hundreds she's of fertile a, queens. So she's a single mother trying so, to get by. <laughs> thank you for coming to my TED talk. Oh. So essentially, every every ant colony is a Tyler Perry movie. Awesome. I was thinking it was an ABC sitcom. <laughs> oh, really? You know, like she's a single mom. <laughs> I was thinking more like Meet the Browns, where she's the single mom struggling to make it with. You know, a bunch of kids. I knew a single mom who tried to make it with every guy she met. Oh, oh snap. Uh, <laughs> Bye, single moms. Bye. Sorry, mom. At least we didn't lose a nation this time. We just lost several Yeah, I know. Thousands. I mean, that's true. I mean, well, because we're talking about ants. It's not like, yeah. you know. I mean, I suppose China. Oh, goodness. <laughs> but do ants get taxed for multiple children the way the Chinese do? I don't think they do. Well, that's true. I thought the Chinese killed you if... No, you just get very heavily taxed. Oh. Now, there is a thing where many children end up abandoned right. because their parents don't want to be taxed. But <laughs> Chinese tax deduction. So this is all very much like ants. <laughs> Did you really just do that? So anyway, uh, now that we've discovered <laughs> the reproductive policies of ants... Uh, one of the bigger things that happens in the movie is that Z does go off to war. He makes friends with Danny Glover, who plays uh, Barbados, is his character's name. And they battle. And this is one of the reasons why it's not necessarily a kid's movie, because the battle between the ants and the termites is savage AF. <laughs> like yeah. The ants are being spewed at with the acid, and they're melting. And it's just... It's really violent, considering it's a cartoon, but... Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, well, Danny Glover ends up a severed head. Yes, uh, and that was a great bit, too. Uh, Z's the only... He's the lone survivor, and the only reason he does survive is because he falls into a hole, and one of the termite bodies is kind of blocking him from sight. Yeah. So he's safe, but then he does find Danny Glover's severed head, which is inexplicably able to talk, and he's like, lift me up, Z. I can't feel my legs. <laughs> Is it bad? And you're like, dude, you have no legs. <laughs> it's pretty bad. But uh, in very Woody Allen fashion, he's sitting there trying to tell him, oh, don't worry, Barbados, you have swell color. I'm I'm going to try and find your body. And then he turns around and it's just a sea of ant bodies and ant body parts. And... Uh, it's actually kind of a touching moment because Barbados well, is... yeah, it is. Yeah, Barbados' last words to Z are, don't make my mistakes, kid. 
think for yourself. And then he closes his little decapitated I eyes. One day from retirement. <laughs> oh, and I'm God. getting too old for this shit. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Just had to bring in some lethal weapon. Yeah. It's got to be on Danny. When Danny Glover dies, it needs to be. That needs to be on his tombstone. Kind tombstone. of Jack Lemon style. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting too old for this shit. He, no, Danny Jack Glover. Jack Danny, Dan, Danny Glover. He got too old for this shit. Oh, God. <laughs> we need to sign a petition to make Danny that Glover, if you're out there, that needs to be on your tombstone. Ha- I'm an expert on what people should have on their tombstones, by the way. Hashtag tombstone petition. Join us on Twitter for this movement. We're making it happen, social media goers. Yeah. I said, uh, I, what was the thing I said years ago? Because I've thought about this many times, what I want on my tombstone. Because one of the advantages of your tombstone is that nobody facts che- fact checks a tombstone. No one does. I mean, you don't walk through a cemetery and see something on a tombstone and go, that doesn't sound right. I'm going to Google that. Huh. You know? So mine, I'm going to put, uh, it's going to say Jason Mitchell, uh, 19 blah, 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 to 2000 blah, 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 uh, Apollo astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> and there might have been an apollo astronaut named jason mitchell you never know yeah. i know i'm but just that, saying that's a bold-faced lie exactly, you don't have to fact check that exactly it's a total lie but with with the, the level of education in our country i feel totally confident that people would go wow did you know there's an apollo astronaut buried over there <laughs> see know. i think uh now you're inspiring me for thoughts for my own tombstone i think i'm going to list the fact that i have an english degree and then i'm going to put a quote but have some misspelling and some incorrect grammar. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. You have to put, you know, something like misuse, uh, Y-O-U-R-E, uh, you know, um, or, or Y-O-U-R-E without the apostrophe. You exactly. You do that. Um, yeah, just have typos all over it. Exactly. Yeah. That's, the, that's the whole idea. In fact, if you die first, or when, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I'll write your obituary, and it's going to be, <laughs> nothing but be... typos <laughs> i'm gonna be rolling over in my grave but from laughter so it'll be all right so well so i i, I said that too at my funeral i want to be dressed in like a clown costume oh god <laughs> because I, I i don't want anybody laughing or anybody sad you know you want them to be terrified because no, clowns well, are terrifying well then something funny like dress me as well, uh, I'll just recommend to your wife that you need to have one of those uh, little goof hats that looks like an arrow's been shot through your head. That would be perfect. It'll be fantastic. That would be. I just and want... you'll be holding a rubber chicken. Yes. Yeah. See, I want people. You know, instead of I want them looking out in, in the coffin and go, "What the? F- of course he would. <laughs> the hell? Of course he would. You know. It... Well, that's the only funeral you're allowed to for the rest of the for yeah. the rest of your life because of all the necrophilia on the previously recorded episodes that we have so i guess you need to put some extra planning into this one since it'll be the last one you're ever going to be allowed to attend yeah well you know but speaking of death after all the ants get wiped out in the war (laughs) against the termites which was just suicide um z does come back to the colony and he's celebrated as a war hero and when he comes back there's this huge rally of ants waiting for him and the signs that they're holding up yeah. in the crowd are hysterical. Yeah. One of them says, welcome home troops with the S crossed out. Yeah. And that that is sort of a, that is a very old, um, it, it's a Cold War statement in and of itself. Because, you know, during the, the Cold War, there was this mentality amongst a lot of people that if at the end of the war... There are two of us and one of you left. 
we won. Oh, there was a sign that said that in the crowd too. It yeah. said one to nothing. Right. We win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and it's, it's, it's a very intelligent movie. It's, I have to admit, I was very surprised. I was not all that excited about doing this one. I could tell. <laughs> but I was, I was genuinely surprised at how much I enjoyed the, the, it was a much more intelligent movie than like all the other DreamWorks animated movies. Yeah. I mean, you know, come on, Kung Fu Panda versus this. Oh, okay. You well, know, that's you know. that's no contest. That's that's apples and oranges right there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the humor it stays highbrow throughout the entire movie because when um, Z comes back, you've Whoa. got General Mandible showing him off and presenting him as a war hero, and that's great. And the general, in true, you know, communist kind of fashion, the general speaking for Z. Because Z is, um, General says, you are an ant after my own heart, an ant that looks death in the face and laughs. And this line made me laugh because Z said, well, uh, actually, the truth is I generally just uh, make belittling comments and snicker behind death's back. (laughs) (laughs) And after a minute, Z was saying, it's, uh, you know, it was was carnage. It was suicide. I don't know why we were going. And General Mandible covers his little mouth with his hand and. He's just, he starts speaking for Z, like, oh, Z is very proud to have served his colony. And- Which is straight up. I mean, that is literally, you know, um, Yuri Gagarin, the first man in space. When he comes back, you know, they parade him all over the place and says, look at Yuri Gagarin, look how amazing, you know, our, our this, this great hero of the Soviet Union is. It was the exact same thing, where you had Khrushchev, or, or one of Khrushchev's goons, essentially saying... I'm here with Yuri Gagarin, and I'm going to tell you all the things he has to say. Yep. And it just... And Z is very self-deprecating about it, because he did he did not accomplish anything. He didn't no. kill a single termite. He just hid, basically. No. Um, until... Until... <clears throat> yes. Until he runs into Princess Bala, who, for some reason, just because he has an army helmet on, she doesn't recognize him. Uh, but he he sees her. And that's for, I can forgive that. That that's that's an old movie trope. You know? She saw him the night before. Like I don't. <laughs> that's what's crazy. Well, she was probably just drunk off her ass too. Off of the ass beer. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, you suck beer out of an aphid's ass long enough. You know, it's gonna happen. They probably had a little bit of. They, they did some pre-drinking before they, you know, showed up. Also, must not be a lot of security around the royal family. I'm guessing not. Well, I mean, they're just figureheads, like you said. They're not that terribly relevant, yeah. so... Probably what security they have is more inclined to keep them from ever making a connection with the working pe- class people. Right. Because as soon as they make that connection, and she realizes, oh, my people are suffering. Yeah, know. she had no idea that that was happening at yeah. all. But uh, the second Z sees her and they're thanking him for his service, he goes, oh, it was it was nothing really, just your average run-of-the-mill, you know, extraordinary courageousness. And then he starts, you know, fluffing his feathers a little bit. And Bala, she does completely blow their cover because Z's trying to be a little bit subtle because they, yeah. they, they yeah, exchange... Yeah, Bala's kind of stupid. A little bit. Yeah. They, ex- <laughs> they exchanged a word at the bar, which was youch. And then when he sees her again, because she has no recollection as to who he is... He leans in and he's like, well, you know, 
Youch. And she goes, oh, I remember you. You're that aunt from the bar. And her mom and the general are like, wait, what the hell were you doing in a bar? And she's like, and Z's sitting there trying to make her be quiet. She's like, no, we went out dancing and this happened. And then they drag, they try to drag Z away because that's considered a crime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, and she's, she's oblivious to the fact. I mean, that, that is sort of a thing. She, it's not that she doesn't care that what she's doing is going to get him killed. It's the fact that it's obvious to everyone else that what she's doing is going to get him killed. But she really doesn't know that that's how it works. No, she's completely oblivious. Yeah, she doesn't know that, well, okay, they're going to drag him away and torture him and kill him. Yeah, you know? because of his inappropriate associations right, with the yeah. princess. But So he has to resort to drastic measures. He kind of grabs onto her while he's backing away from the soldiers, and then they automatically assume that he's kidnapping Bala. Right. And... So they're backing away and backing away, and in true Acme form of Wiley Coyote forgetting that he's running out of room on which to stand on the ledge, yeah, they, they back yeah. up to the point where they fall down the trash chute yeah. and the, out of the The conveniently element. located, incredibly dangerous, which is where the person-sized trash chute. Because we all know we always park the queen right next to the garbage. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's the perfect size that if you're kind of drunk or just clumsy and you trip near that thing, yeah, you're, you're going to get shot out the side of the colony. And, you know, that's... That is what it is, but um, going back to that Independence Day shot that you were talking about, that's where this leads us, because they come out of the garbage chute, and Bala is like, okay, well, we're going back, and uh, then these soldiers run out to come and fetch Bala and rescue her, and all of a sudden you see this strange, and they give it almost like a spacecraft kind of mentality, like the, the sound of it, and you realize it's a magnifying glass, and as a person, you realize the horrible thing that's about to happen to these poor yeah, that, ants. That, that kid is a really steady hand. Uh, yes, he, he does. He, he should grow up to be a surgeon. You never actually see that it's a kid. You just no. see a hand. The only, so yeah, that's true. The only you reason, assume it's a kid. Though. I assumed it's a kid because you assume that it's the same. And I guess there's no reason to think that. But because now that I think about it, that, that was two totally different scenes. When yeah, you the, see the, the when you see the, the feet kids in the park. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, that's right. That wasn't actually right then. That was that yeah, was totally that was later. Different. But um, they things get savage as all get out because the soldiers who are coming to get Bala, then they kind of treat the magnifying glass like a spacecraft because they've never seen one before. And the kid just sort of hovers it over one ant. Didn't they notice the massive human being who was attached to it? <laughs> I think they were just distracted by the pretty, pretty glass. But uh, one of the soldiers is just fascinated by the magnifying glass. He's like, look, it's beautiful. And they're like, get out of there. Because the rest of them seem to know what's going to happen. But he's like, oh, I can't look away. And then he bursts into well, flames. Of course they know what's going to happen. When they were kids, they used to do it. Everyone did that when they were a kid. No, I mean, the, the other no, ants know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but so then, of course, Z and Bala are running for their lives through the wilderness that is blades of grass. And... They get away from the magnifying glass, and Bala's yelling at him, and she's just upset and because like, she's been kidnapped. And, and I really like that, too, that Woody Allen's character at that point was basically like, I really don't care, lady. Yeah, I'm out of it. <laughs> like, he Go back. I don't care. Yeah, he's like, you you take yourself back. Like, I'm, I'm going to find Insectopia. Yeah, I really appreciated the fact that, unlike in pretty much every other movie... It's, this is the girl that he's in love with, and she's saying, no, you have to do this, and he's totally fine just leaving her. He's like, that's cool, I don't I don't have time for this. But uh, he has a great line after they outrun the magnifying glass, because Bala's all pissed off, and he goes, oh, come on, you're not going to let a little near-death experience ruin your mood, are you? 
And she goes, my God, I have been kidnapped by the village idiot. Yes. But yeah. Just a little. <laughs> Woody Allen is an action hero, too. That's, I know. That's, that's hard to reconcile. Yeah. He saves everyone. Well, he does, but really the real hero was Christopher Walken. Of course. You know, Christopher hey. Walken saves the day in the movie. Spoiler he totally alert. does. And normally he's kind of a villainous, if not zany character. Yeah, and I, I read somewhere that originally, uh, it's not Chopper, Chopper's from A Bug's Life. Uh, Cutter. Cutter, yeah. That's Christopher Walken. Cutter, character. yeah. Chopper's the rapey one. Cutter's Christopher Walken. Oh, God. Well, it was Kevin Spacey, so. It, yeah. Therefore, I, I'm, therefore I'm getting was, the association. Yeah, therefore he was rapey. Yeah. Um, uh, Cutter, uh, I, I read somewhere that apparently the way it was originally written was he was really like he didn't really even have any lines hardly oh really but when christopher walken started doing it somebody some genius went wait a minute we have christopher walken we need more cowbell <laughs> hey you writer make it happen <laughs> someone let the writers out of their boxes and Excuse tell them me. to write more dialogue make it so yes master oh god <laughs> but yeah like cutter he does end up being the hero but in the meantime we get to that very sexual content where Bala's trying to argue to go back and she's basically telling Z that he's a loser and he goes, well, excuse me, but you were the one who walked into the bar the other night looking for a little action. And um, he's like, and of course you fell for the swarthy, earthy, sensual worker. (laughs) And she said, uh, Bala responds with the fact that I was slumming it, which is just great. And Z goes, you know what? I was going to let you become part of my most erotic fantasies, but now you can just forget that. And he just walks away (laughs) from her. And that's, that is a line that is so good. I wish that I would have the opportunity to use it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's just, (laughs) can you imagine no, I think the beauty telling a girl that, you know, I was going to put you in there. You were going to pop in there. Now you don't make the now, cut. <laughs> yeah, you don't get to pop in there. You're anymore. cut from the team. Well, I think the best the best possible thing you can do with that, Jason, is to start using it at random. Well, like, that's true. like if a cashier at the yes. grocery store makes a random mistake. <laughs> oh, sorry, sir. I double I doubled uh, rang this up. My bad. And you can be like, you know what? You are going to be part of my most erotic fantasies, but you can just forget it. I'm just going to get out of that. here. That's, that's going to be it from now on. Every it's going to be great. No context. Just just throw it at them. And they won't know what to do with yeah, it. Bloody jihad on you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well that took it up that took it up a notch or two but you know oh it's the same idea it's very april ludgate thing yeah to say. yeah and there was something else that um uh you know the, the whole relationship between the two of them you know she said something like i only picked you because you were the biggest loser yeah you were the most pathetic loser in the place yeah which and, i i don't know what universe that actually occurs in <laughs> it's like does that actually happen? Do do women walk into a bar and just pick the biggest loser? And I guess if they are slumming it because they're going for an easy target, I, that's never been my goal when walking into a bar. So I'm yeah, not 100 percent sure. And I've never met a woman in a bar, you know, because I would have noticed if she was looking for the biggest loser, I would have noticed her because <laughs> she would have come and said hi. Oh, <laughs> ah, yeah, it's I got beer. <laughs> yes, apparently it's kicking in. Beer was my companion when I was at a bar, as God intended it. And the beer doesn't care what kind of a loser you are. No, it doesn't. It is beer, not judgmental. Beer is your friend. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of which, uh, with this very exciting beer conversation, we are actually enjoying a couple of beers from 
our favorite brewery, which is Variant in Roswell. I'm a creature of habit, so I am naturally drinking the Raspberry Lemon Goza because I like fruity things. And I'm not a big fan of beer in general, but this is really delicious. Yeah, you know it's good beer when somebody who doesn't like beer drinks it every time we do the show. Yep, it's becoming Uh, a tradition. Yeah, I know. I look forward to this. This is the highlight of my week is, you know, having somebody bring a beer to me. That that's that's where I'm at in my life. What he doesn't know <laughs> is that I'm slowly training him in Pavlovian style, listeners. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever is beer. Hey, you get your beer. <laughs> Be happy. You know that beer is poisoned, right? I don't care. Oh well, it's fine. I'll I'll go out enjoying myself. I had a psych professor who trained his girlfriend using Pavlovian methods. That's very Jim and Dwight of him. He did. He he <laughs> um and he told us this in class. You know, he like basically admitted to it. Or he did. Uh, what he would do is uh, whenever she was engaging in behavior that he found uh, desirable, he would adjust the thermostat in their in their apartment to a temperature that he knew she liked. Mm-hmm. And any time that she would do something that he did not approve of, he would change the temperature. And so That's psychotic. It's it's so psychotic. <laughs> and it's like at the time we're sitting, you know, we listen to it going, "Oh, really?" Now looking back on it, it's. Did anyone think to call the police? Yeah. I think she might have been under duress. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, and it helped that she was chained to her bed. Yes. <laughs> Limited mobility. Yeah. I could see that becoming a kind of funny bit on a comedy show, though, where, you know, every time you piss off your husband, he just, he, what he stares at you and then just uh, passive aggressively reaches for the yeah. thermostat dial. Well, it's amazing how many things that we're, we're, we're so sensitive to, we don't know it. And if somebody can just get control of them, they can just so mess us up. They can be our puppet master. But speaking of breaking the strings of your puppet master, Z is actually running away from Bala, because like he says, we're outside of the colony. You're not in charge of me anymore, because she's trying to still order him around to get him to take her back home. And he's basically like, yeah, let me march right back into my death. Sure, that's what I'm going to do. But he climbs to the top of this little plant, and then he sees what we recognize as a water fountain. But he gasps and goes, it's the monolith that the drunk ant was telling him about in the bar that will lead him to Insectopia. Which, which again, it's getting back to the, you know, the sort of the thesis that I had. It's, you know, he's he's envisioning this this place where and literally what um what the bug before it said the ant before it said you know the streets are paved with food yes you know such a cliched statement and when when they get there the food is there covered in plastic which they think he calls it a force field force field And then the two people from outside, and that, that, the, the Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin's characters, the, the bees, I guess they were bees. Yeah, they were bees, yeah. and they were very condescending, snooty bees. They're, very, they're, they're wealthy people it, who don't live in the communist society. Yes, and they benefit from, you know, all of the rewards that are outside of the yeah, communist and, lifestyle. And, and they, they literally completely don't know how to treat this person that you know that that's coming from the society it's like well we well we have to help them well they they have have they have very differing opinions on that because dan Aykroyd's character chip is like oh muffy don't get close to them they're they're filthy yeah he calls them euro trash yeah euro trash (laughs) which is so weird because it's like well you have a very european accent yeah he's sort of he's the snooty one and but muffy the wife she's even condescending in her attempts to help them because she's like 
Oh, look at them, darling. They're just they're just so poor and pathetic yeah, they're and very dirty. New, New England blue blood, you know, um, uh, old money types. Yes. Um, and then she gets the hell killed out of her. Oh, uh, yeah. She gets hit with the fly swatter. Uh, yeah. So they're at the picnic table. Um, meanwhile, though, what's happening back at the colony is Z's war hero status has incited a revolution amongst the workers. It occurs to them that because they find out that Weaver switched places with Z and they're like, wait, you can do that? You mean I don't have to be moving dirt? And so... There's this great line where one of the the manager goes, oh, I know some ants that aren't going to meet their quota when they're all throwing down their little pickaxes. And one of them just goes, buzz off, pawn of the oppressor, and yeah. just marches off like a boss. Which is interesting because that line and there's an earlier line in that scene where one of the uh, the ants says, you know, the workers control the means of production. Yes. And it's it's so... <clears throat> It's it's kind of incongruous because that's something that's commonly associated with communism you know, because Lenin said it or Marx said it. You know, the workers control the means of production. Um, and so it's sort of like, well, is that does that take away from the, the idea that this is an anti-communist movie? Because here you have the, you know, the, the people rising up and saying that. Well, that's they realize it all of a sudden. It's not that they knew it all along. So, yeah, I think it's. If, I think it's open to interpretation. I yeah. Think the fairest way to say it is that one way you could say it is it's sort of demonstrating that, well, yeah, the workers control the means of production, but that doesn't mean that the system works. Well, and then they have this big peace rally as well where they're singing, all we are saying is give Z a chance, which, you know, yeah. it's I'm not saying it's a masterful joke. It's yeah. just they brought all this political... Well, air into the movie, it, and it, it is a significant scene though because you've got not only do you have the worker uprising, which is sort of like the Prague Spring in the '60s, except that they didn't all get killed. Um, you have the worker uprising, but you also have the um, the military looking and seeing a soldier. Yes, and getting upset with that. Yeah, and that's ev- that's almost more irritating to him than the workers rising up because that's sort of. That's an internal threat. That's one of us is siding with them. Yeah. We have to eliminate him. Well, and he would have been eliminated yeah. in all likelihood if he had gone off to war against the termites. But he is he stands out like a sore thumb. So it's amazing that they didn't realize that Weaver might not be one of the dirt movers. But in yeah, fact, he's a soldier because he's gigantic in comparison. Yeah, well, and also apparently all the ants are colorblind. Because that was one of the things where they're like, oh, hey, who are you? And it's like, well, he's he's red. You're yellow. He's a soldier. You're a worker. Have I figured this out. I've been in this universe for 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, it's like, you haven't noticed that they're all different skin tones? They, I, I noticed, but I didn't really, I didn't really yeah. strike any, any oh, yeah. chords. Yeah, they, they I were, didn't really think about it, yeah, honestly. The, answer are, the, the, the warrior ants are definitely more red. Oh, maybe that's how they got yeah. selected when they were larva then maybe i don't know i don't i think that that was another shot that was open to interpretation possibly you know um but yeah so we we have you know z is out there he's he's looking for insectopia and he Uh, winds up on a picnic blanket surrounded by food which he that's the first place that they mistake his insectopia yeah 
and they try to get to the sandwiches and the the bees muffy and chip are going to help them get something to eat but right but then we are all we're brought back to the savagery of the outside world when muffy gets annihilated she just gets the crap killed out by of a her. fly swatter it yeah. was brutal and i mean it's 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 you know like damn you know and then when you see the dude when you see chip yeah again it's it's like it's not even funny no it's depressing it's, it's depressing he's drunk because his wife was just crushed to death well who he obviously genuinely loved and what's a dark joke to it is that when z does run into him later chip literally climbs out of a scotch bottle so he right. is deep in the bottle yeah. after his yeah. wife dies so there's that going on but yeah muffy does get killed and bala uh the guy who killed muffy with the flyswatter uh gets up to walk away from the picnic and steps on Bala when you think she's dead for a second, but then mm-hmm. it turns out she's stuck to the gum on the bottom of his shoe. Right. So Z has to spring into action and be the you know the actiony hero again to go and rescue her. <laughs> and the best, the the most perfectly delivered line in the entire movie was when they're both stuck to the gum underneath the and the penny shoe. when the penny is coming and Woody Allen just the way he delivers. Who the, the hell, hell is that? that? It's just so good. It <laughs> he just, delivers that. It's oh man! Like that. Yeah, that's 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 perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was a great moment. <laughs> like that's what you're gonna think at that moment. <laughs> yep. Um, that's giant copper face coming at you. Yeah. So I mean, but they eventually do end up in because it, he scrapes him off with a penny, right? Yeah. And that's why he sees Lincoln's yeah. face. So, so they end up in Insectopia, which is literally just. The garbage can. Uh, yeah, because when uh, that's where the guy flings the gum is right, in the garbage right. can, and so then they at first they're panicking and everything's terrible, but then they're like, "Oh no, this is Insectopia," and there's just some naivete to it because it's like you just thought a picnic blanket was Insectopia, and now the garbage can is. Right. But it's it's everything that the drunk guy at the bar was telling him it would be. There's there's food everywhere. It's mm-hmm. an ant. It's a bug's paradise. Yeah. So and it, it's I loved how they played that off too. Is because um, there you know ah, excuse me you naturally have your romantic montage between Z and Bala. Yeah. Because they fall in love at Insectopia, aka the garbage garbage can. Uh, and they also play it like it's a theme park. Right. Because yeah. there's an apple that has several holes that have been chewed through it uh, by a worm. And they're, the ants are riding the back of the worm as he's like roller coastering <laughs> through yeah. the apple. Yeah. And then they, they make snow angels on a powdered sugar donut. And they they well, ride on a little leaf boat through a little love canal. It's it's crazy. You know, and it it, it it's so interesting that the hero... You know, the thing that gets you into Act 3 is really when, um, God, I keep wanting to say Chopper. Cutter. Cutter. Right, Chopper's the rapey one. That's right. <laughs> when when Cutter shows up and takes Bala. Yeah, because they're, they're actually sitting around the fire and you have these, the philosophical <laughs> mosquito. Like poop. Really? Let me see. It is crap. Oh. Yeah, it does seem like crap. Pretty but good. they're like stoner thoughts with these bugs because it's like a, a mosquito and some other random bugs sitting around their little campfire. And one of them's like, what if like we're just these tiny little things and we're just like part of this whole other huge universe that's like 
so big we don't even know exists right. and the ladybug is like man that is so deep <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah and it, it's it's so interesting because it's like so insectopia or utopia is basically this place with a bunch of stoners sitting around doing nothing and eating garbage and yeah achieving nothing not moving toward and anything they'll, they'll, exactly they will never go from where they are to anything better well, it's just a grass is always greener situation because yeah. his version of paradise is very lacking in product productivity or like right. having any kind of goals or life. You're, it's like your life can be garbage in well, it's, paradise, I guess. Well, I mean, it, it, it shows that, you know, it depends on what you're used to forms what you think is the best, you know. Um, yeah. You know, it's, like, it's like the saying, you know, in the valley of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, you know. Um, they are from the Valley of the Blind. They've lived in this sheltered, very, very, you know, structured existence, you know. And anything that's different is yeah. still appealing, no matter right. how lacking it is. Yeah, I mean, they come from something like the Soviet Union, where you can punish somebody so easily because you just deny them the basics of life. You yep. just, well, you don't get food today. They're already in a tough situation. Yeah, so. what are you going to do? You can't go to the store and buy food. I'm yeah. just not going to give you any food, and then there isn't any for you. But uh, I would like to commemorate this moment because Christopher Walken, Cutter, he's flying in to get Bala, as you mentioned a minute ago, and I want to give him a medal for having the singular awesome dad joke in this movie because he's one of the ants that can fly. So he flies in and then drops down amongst the other bugs and says, oh, I was in the neighborhood and I thought I'd drop in. (laughs) (laughs) But Christopher Walken saying it. Yes, it was brilliant. Now, I just it, thought I'd drop in. And we see, and this is what's interesting, too, is that the the whole movie, there's been this vague sort of hint um, that um, Mandible's up to something. Mm-hmm. You kind of know it involves the tunnel. Well, we know it. Um, the... Had they the audience knows it. They yes, had because, revealed it. Oh, yes, that's right. Because he's plotting with Cutter and he's telling them like. No, no, because he the, the reveal was in the scene when Bala was in his office. Because remember, she found the paper. That's where you figure out, I think, that, that he's, it's a flood. That, he's gonna, he's that it's kill a everybody. flood. Yeah. But I think before he had actually told Cutter that he because he specifically told Cutter that he was sending the soldiers to be killed by the termites. So we know that at the very least. Yeah, you know he's doing something that he wants. Something nefarious, yeah. yeah. But you don't really know what the plan is. Like, you don't know the big James Bond bad guy plan until literally... Yeah, you don't know the specifics, that's true. Yeah, and it's like 15 minutes before the end of the movie. Yeah, because, well, now Bala's been abducted by Cutter and she's going back to the colony and Z is sitting there arguing with himself. He's just like... Oh, well, I, I should go get her, but I'm nothing but a, a soil relocation engineer. Yeah, like, how could I ever do anything about that? And then he comes to the obvious conclusion. Well, no, no, I've got to go get her. It's the right thing to do. Right. And that's when we see Chip again. He crawls out of the scotch bottle and he's like, oh, I can help you with that. And he flies him drunkenly you want back to the colony. How about a, a cup of Joe first? There's time for a cup. <laughs> he's like, there's like a puddle of coffee over there. Like, you sure you don't <laughs> want some coffee first? And the the bee is just going all over the place. So they, I thought this was funny because he gets, Chip gets Z back to the colony and then Bala is in the general's office and Z has to uh, climb up 
like scoot across a little ledge in order to get to Bala to break open the sort of window where mm-hmm. she's being held. And I was like, wait a minute, can't he, ants climb? That was exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Like, why doesn't he just climb up the side of it? Who knows? Because he was climbing all those blades of grass and climbing all out in the nature and then he just couldn't do it in the actual colony it's a movie you should really just relax yeah we gotta we gotta continue to suspend our disbelief but and honestly the rest of the movie really is you know if you watch it for the first time and you get to this point you can just skip ahead to the last 30 seconds of it because it's just they're gonna flood it and then they stop it yeah they you know general mandible has all the workers and it's it's a ruse because he has had them all working double overtime and extra shifts to complete the mega tunnel, which actually leads to a pond that they're going to, you know, mine into. And then the pond is going to drown them in their colony. So they're all in the, in this big atrium where they think that they're being rewarded for their good work because general mandible earlier, he kind of discredits Z and he's like, yeah, you all love Z and you're saying give Z a chance, but where is he now? He abducted our princess, and he's not here to help you, so I'm going to reward you by... If God, they're stupid. Yeah, if you finish the Megatonal... Oh, yeah, that's right. He's not here. Oh, no. I wonder why, but uh, the general... he's not off doing something really important. Oh, clearly not. But the general says, I'm going to reward all of your hard efforts by giving you the day off. And like you said, it's so easy to reward or punish people in a situation because a day off to them is just like a king's ransom worth of a prize. It's right. crazy awesome. But yeah, so it it turns into this quick thing where Z rescues Bala. It's great. They discover the sinister plans to drown all the workers and the queen so that they can start over and get rid of the weak of the colony. Yeah. So they're rushing to fix everything. And yeah, Cutter, or not Cutter, Mandible is a, is a eugenicist. Yes. You know. Um, uh, he, he is, you know, he's an Oliver Wendell Holmes, uh, type person. He, you know, I, I, you know, you identify the weak, however the hell you do that. You identify the undesirables, however the hell you do that. Yeah. And then you just declare them not worth saving and kill them. And I loved the fact that in the end it was Cutter. Who saved the day. Who ended up saying, no, that's bullshit this is for the good of the of the colony right because cutter is just kind of a yes man throughout most of the movie even when he goes to get bala she goes cutter i'm staying here and he's just like look princess i have orders that's and that's his argument uh but yeah so what ends up happening is all the ants work together to actually climb on top of each other and build a huge ladder to get themselves to safety which was set up in the beginning of the movie with the wrecking ball Yes, we didn't talk about that. They they build a little wrecking ball to tear down some stuff. Well, because Z is like, oh yeah, what's what's not to love about being a piece of construction equipment right. or whatever it is he says. And it's funny too because it, it was a bit and it was funny and it was well done. And I didn't actually usually when they're when oh, I watch a movie and something is being set up. Most of us nowadays, if you've seen enough movies, you know where it's you, you can go. Well, we'll see this again. Well, it's like I, the, I really didn't see that coming again, that that was going to be the thing that they were setting up, that they would use that at the end. Well, because it was silly. It wasn't like an iRobot where Will Smith <laughs> teaches the robot how to wink, where that was super obvious that that would come into play later. Thank you, Will Smith. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Beep, boop. it was actually presented as a funny moment when Z, uh, let, he doesn't have the strength to hold on to the wrecking ball and he's the connecting piece. And he goes, oh, I dropped the ball. <laughs> and yeah. you're just like, okay, yeah. that's great. So that was, I guess that was the other good dad joke in the movie. But anyway, they make a big ladder where they actually climb to the top of the uh, 
atrium that they're in. And meanwhile, Mandible's outside with Cutter and the rest of the quote-unquote worthy soldiers saying, we've wiped the slate clean, we've gotten a new era is coming upon us, and then the Z punches through the soil. And, oh, that's what Cutter says. He's got that great moment because uh, Cutter looks down and Mandible's like, who the hell is that? And he goes, I believe it's the weak element, sir. And he starts to go help the ants start to get out. And uh, Mandible actually tackles goes to tackle z and plummets to his death cutter actually rescues z by um taking the hit for him and then goes down into the water and cutter cutter gets out and he lives and it's great but he's the one who turned things around because he punches the general in the face and he's like yep that's the weak element that's well, yeah, that, yeah, and that's whenever he points to to Z, I mean, he says, "No, this is for the good of the colony." Yes, you because know? they're the ones who make all of this possible. Yeah, but uh, and Z sums it up, I think, better than anybody can. I mean, Stallone is just like, "Yeah, you the ant," <laughs> and high fives him because uh, he's Weaver. Yeah, but then Z, it ends very abruptly after that. There's that big it moment. Does. Yeah, I mean, it's it's over. That's it. Yeah, movie's done. Because uh, Z sums it up by saying, "Well, there you have it." Your average boy meets girl, boy likes girl, boy changes underlying social order story. <laughs> yep. And incidentally, Bala and I are thinking of starting a family. You know, just a few kids, maybe a million or two to begin with. And it's just, it's so crazy. going to do it with her a million times or is it just... I guess it depends on what kind of reproduction she's going for. Because yeah, whether it's the asexual or what. Well, that's complicated. It really is. Yeah. That See, that gives you even less chances to... Get laid, I guess, because your wife yeah, can just be like, I, yeah. no, I can do this without you. No, yeah. thanks. <laughs> well, can we just do it for fun? No, it's procreation, not recreation. Um. <laughs> oh, and the, the final punch of the movie is when Z is, he's talking about the fact that he's seeing a new therapist who was really putting me in touch with my inner maggot. <laughs> Which is weird because <laughs> ants don't come from maggots. No, they don't. Flies come from maggots. Ants are just... That was that that jumped out at me when he said that. I was like, "You're going to a bad therapist," especially since they see larvae. Like, they... maybe that's the joke: is that his new therapist is an idiot. Either uh, that, or his new therapist is just helping him find a whole new facet of himself. Who knows? I would say, you know, and and reasonable minds can disagree. Um, I thought the animation of the movie was not anything. I didn't think it was any good. I mean, it was for the time. It was good. It was. It was, eh. You know, to me, it was kind of dull. But taking that out and just looking at it as a movie, mm-hmm. on the does it stand up spectrum, I gotta say this one's really high. This one, you know, and it's weird because for me, I don't, uh, it's been so many so long since I've seen it. Really, in a sense, it was like seeing it for the first time. You know, just now. Right. Especially from the adult perspective. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's literally like an entirely different movie. Yeah. I mean, this this isn't a movie that was a part of my life growing up. It was a movie that existed. I'd seen it, you know. Um, I almost don't even think... It, it, yes, the answer is it holds up. Because it really just stands up on its own as just a good movie. It's It's like watching a funny version of Animal Farm. Oh yeah, like you know. I think it actually it stems up there with Seinfeld because like Seinfeld, I had the almost exactly same exactly the same reaction 
to this movie as I did to Seinfeld when I was a kid because Seinfeld used to bore the hell out of me because I just didn't understand what yeah. the stakes were, like why they were upset about these menial little things and ants. Like I said, in, I could see it boring you as a kid. Yeah, especially can, in yeah. comparison to Bugs Life. Yes, uh, yeah. which is such more so much more animated and wacky and zany and fun. This movie is it's like you said it's like watching a completely different movie. Yeah. I and I just didn't appreciate it when I was a kid. It just came off as boring to me because I would have been only about 10 or 11 years old. So I was just like, okay, get to the fun parts. Just let's fast forward, whatever. Right, right. So, yeah, I think this is almost Seinfeld-esque in that sense that it goes from an ugly little duckling when you're a kid to a beautiful yeah. swan as an adult because the humor is just so, so up there. Yeah, it actually, it's not even so much that it holds up. It's that it's a kid's thing that you really don't, you can't appreciate it when you're a kid. Exactly. It's so it's too much. high quality. Yeah, it's so, so, not subversive, but there's so much concealed story and humor that you couldn't get it. You know, it's like watching a movie in another language before you learn the language. Exactly. Because with know. Shrek, you still, you remember the basic plot oh, yeah. points. You remember the jokes in general. I mean, the jokes here are Woody Allen jokes. Kids don't watch Woody Allen movies. Well, they shouldn't. <laughs> that, yeah. I think that would produce a very strange child. I watched a lot of them. <laughs> Case, in so point, <laughs> Case in point, Jason. Case in point. You know, yeah. also too, you know, I, I didn't realize until like the end of the movie that the name of the movie isn't actually just ants it's ant z yeah that's the hero of the movie is ant z yeah yeah and it's like oh we didn't mention that oh. but that is a thing yeah okay uh because it especially since it's sort of tilted away from the rest of yeah, the word it's like it's not just a stupid title you know it's oh okay yeah it's that a story sense. about the ant yeah it's about ant z. z yeah so well that's everything i gotta say about it yep that's pretty much it listeners thank you for tuning in once again to hindsight is horrifying you can actually find us at uh hindsight is horrifying.com isn't that right jason yes it is as well as if you feel like reaching out to us and telling us just how horrible this podcast is uh you can always email us i am darth jader at hindsight is horrifying.com or you can reach me on twitter if you want to get to you know the insults a little more immediately uh i am at Darth underscore, oh, excuse me, I am at underscore Darth <laughs> underscore Jader. Yeah, that worked. Yeah, that was smooth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with me, uh, I uh, have a CompuServe email address. Uh, <laughs> I did. That's I believe I that. I had a CompuServe email address. I messed up my Twitter yeah. again. I've got to do it a third time. Sorry. Oh it is at Darth underscore Jader underscore i just was messing up what the, the hell with are. the underscores because darth jader was already taken so pick something else no that's <laughs> that's my handle man all right well i am jason at hindsight is horrifying hind sight I, I have i have to yeah there's a d in that yeah, there's a d you know i have a problem with that so did winston churchill so back off um <laughs> I'm, are, are you comparing yourself to winston churchill yes Okay, just making sure. I mean, he freed a lot of people from oppressive regimes too, Jason. And how the hell do you know I haven't? Uh, <laughs> maybe, just, maybe just I just, it. maybe I just don't go around bragging about it. <laughs> Smoke, chomping on your fat cigars, but yeah, it fits the theme of the episode. Is what I was going toward. Oh, <laughs> well, before we traumatize you any more, listeners, we have to thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Good night.